All right. We're back. It's uh, cold and a witch's titty out here. I love Southernisms. I do. I would really love to hear more of them because they're all so... They're just delightful in their delivery. Uh, you know, culture is only as strong as its metaphors. So, Southernisms are a great example of that. So please, feel free to uh, post them for me, because I enjoy reading them. And um, I enjoy hearing them. And maybe I'll do an accent for you. Oh, this one's We got it. We got it. Oh, that's the seatbelt notification. Because they care about my health and safety. So they have that little dinger go off. You don't put your seatbelt on. But I prefer to take my seatbelt off to Parallel Park. All right. So, all right, here we go. Now, right off the bat, everybody... Okay, we're back. I uh, had to take my seatbelt off to Parallel Park, and apparently I, uh, when I shut the car off, it stopped the recording. You know, as good of an audio engineer as I am, I still haven't really figured out the mechanics of being able to record um, from my phone while having it not, you know, completely attached or married to my audio system in my car because it's not the most reliable. But here we are. Uh, I would like to talk about Southernisms and how much I enjoy them, which is a great segue into uh, a forgotten piece from last week where I spoke about accents and my favorite ones, my favorite actors, and my favorite accents, and I omitted... My least favorite, at least it was in my notes, and right now, today, I'm flying without notes, even though I took some notes, because I got more questions, but um, I just want to make sure that I cover that question, or that piece of the question, as it's pretty important. Uh, There are a lot of examples that come to mind for the worst accent. I think there's a lot of ones that are just overtly awful, but... A more recent one, which I found particularly terrible, was Daniel Craig in Knives Out. He had the stately southern accent. And, you know, you just can't go from being James Bond to a stately southern accent. I don't think he had much range in the movie. He really didn't change his tone too much. Uh, He kind of spoke the same way at the same time for the whole film. It just wasn't convincing, so I'm going to use that one for now. However, I think I'm going to make uh, a segment or a note to, you know, keep mentioning all of the awful accents that I do here, because I very much enjoy doing that. Um, So, moving right along, I have a bunch of questions today that I'll get into, um... Uh, In case you've been checking, I'm still not crypto rich. I, uh, the opposite, you know, which is fine. You know, I'm in it for the long haul, whatever that means. And however long that is, that's just a way I tell myself that it's going to be okay. 
because it is going to be okay. And then there's all the memes of, you know, we're going to make it, we're not going to make it, whatever the hell. Try not to pay too much attention to that. Um, no matter how funny it is. But uh, today, uh, you know, I had off yesterday. And today is like, uh, you know, everyone always complains about Mondays, but Tuesday is the real headache. Tuesday is the real tired day because Monday you could kind of fake it for a day. But Tuesday is when Monday really hits you. At least that's my experience. And uh, in light of that, I, I got a cappuccino, right? I got a cappuccino. I got it delivered. You know, we did a whole big little order, right? So you got to go ask people, which is such a fucking drain, you know? Yeah, it's inevitable someone's thing gets messed up. Luckily for me, it was not mine. Um, of course you get cinnamon with your cappuccino. I mean, what kind of animal doesn't put cinnamon in the cappuccino? Uh, and from Starbucks, there's no charge for that. And I don't know if I would trust you if you don't have cap- uh, cinnamon in your cappuccino. You know, there are exceptions. But for the most part, it's pretty mandatory, right? You need that extra spice at the top on the head, right? You want it to see it, you know, leaking down the sides. It gives it a nice color, a nice flavor. Mmm. Oh, yeah. That's what I needed. So this one's for John. John with uh, an Ethereum address as a name. He was very generous. So he had some questions. Uh, and it's a, I'm going to start with the question that has been a question of some people. That they've been asking me about it to uh, explain a meme beard. And what I mean by meme beard. Um, and I think I could finally articulate it because I've been thinking a lot about this. So I made the comparison of meme beards being the ideological equivalent equivalent or inverse rather of, you know, the pink haired nose ring, um, kind of blatantly left leaning person, right? I think I said that. I think I jumped through those hoops correctly in that description. So the meme beard would be the inverse of that. It would be the ultra masculine type who has uh, an overly long beard, you know, we're not talking about, uh, a couple of months scruff. We're talking, you know, a dedicated commitment to the size, volume, length, you know, not only the size, but it's manicured in a way to really highlight its presentation so that it stands out as a statement. And it's usually accompanied by uh, a very slick haircut, right? And you know, you tend to see these people on Twitter, right? And you immediately know everything about their politics, their worldview, and the nature of their content simply by seeing the beard. It's very simple. It's something related to ultra-masculinity uh, over-the-top conservative values in the same way that 
there's over-the-top leftist values from, you know, the short pink-haired folks. There's also an emphasis on family and fatherhood. And, you know, they're all, like, addicted to porn or they got over their porn addiction and now they want to help you get over your addiction. And, you know, anyone making an identity about that, you know, is red flag. There's something wrong. I know porn in itself is a problem. I know. But, you know, look, and I also know that, you know, modern therapy has gotten a bad rap recently. Medicine, modern therapy, I get it. But maybe you should start there if you really have a problem. Because you're going to have two problems if you start with the meme beards. Because you're going to download a whole ideology. You're going to go down this whole crazy identity You're going to join this weird internet cult, and before you know it, you're storming the capital, right? Or you're buying land in the middle of nowhere with people you met on the internet, which ideally sounds okay. I get it, but you need discernment for these things because the nature of it is to just get you addicted to their ego so that they could keep upping the engagements and just keep making this awful word salad that they just spew into the ether sphere and you kind of can see just from the beard itself where it comes from so when I say meme beard I mean just the most basic predictable derivative take represented by this manicured extra long beard um it's kind of like listen fatherhood is the best thing to happen to me and a person and any father will tell you that but when you kind of make it an identity it, it just it it makes it grotesque right it's important but you know no one's that good of a father right no one's that good you struggle you try there's humility involved in that because it's the greatest test you're ever going to have as a man and to just masquerade it as an internet identity, it just, I mean, it feels icky. Is there no shame in these things anymore? Does you get the creeps from these things? Because it's, it's just weird. It's weird. It's like you go to the football game because you want to watch the game. And then you have these people, you know, painting their bodies in two degree weather with the hats and the everything. And they're screaming and you're like, look, I just want to watch the game. I get it. I just want to watch the game. That's kind of my feeling. Because at that level, it sucks the life out of it. It just becomes a parody of itself. And uh, that's, well, I mean, you know, that's what online identities do in of themselves. But for the love of God, is nothing sacred anymore? Because you don't. You don't need any of it. You don't need any of it. Look, the only thing you need to know from any of those things, it's going to keep being repeated to you every day. And the truth is there's merit in the idea, but you don't need it more than once. Right? You know, there's always this little freaking kernel of corn inside the turd and they just wrap it. So look, it's simple. It's... You have to exercise. You have to make it your priority to exercise and not live a sedentary life. You knew that. 
You have to make sure you eat well and you don't eat processed garbage. You knew that. You have to make sure you prioritize sleep. You knew that. You have to make sure you have good relationships. You knew that. You have to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and you value yourself as a human being and someone who's worth taking care of. Hopefully, you knew that. And if you didn't, now you do. You're welcome. I just saved you from the worst rabbit hole you could go down on Twitter. You need your sunlight. You knew that. You... What else? What else do these freaking morons say over and over? Uh, uh, One I like is you have to forgive yourself, you know? You have to forgive yourself. You have to be patient with yourself. You have to understand the process. Great. There you go. That's the whole thing. That's it. Right? You don't need it. You don't need to see it all the time. You don't need the many iterations of that same concept over and over. It's not productive. It's not helpful. And it becomes an infotainment distraction. And, you know, you can't stay there. You can't stay there in that place because it's not a healthy place to be. All right. I think I beat that one hard enough. So beware of the meme beards. Um, okay, there's some other questions. Uh, I don't have my notes with me, but I think I remember the gist of some of them. Um, oh, uh, Betsy wanted to know about my mother's lasagna recipe. And quite frankly, I will give you my own recipe, which I adapted from Gennaro Contaldo on YouTube um, because it's much better. So the secret to a really good lasagna is there's two things. One, your, your sauce always has to be on par. I like a good meat sauce, but that's not even a, a real feature worth discussing because that should be implicit in a lasagna. The nice chunks of meat in that sauce. You really want to, if possible, get full sheets of pasta. Full sheets that cover the whole surface area of the pan you're using. I have the luxury of having a place by me that if you bring in the tray you're using, they will cut the sheets to fit the tray. And it's... I can't go back to any other form of lasagna. Those strips you get at the store are not acceptable. Uh, If you're making your own pasta, roll it out nice and flat. Use a pizza cutter to make the edges and get the size right for your tray, right? So the sheets are important. You're going to want at least five sheets. You know, you could do three, but, you know, it's not that exciting. You need about five. Five layers is good. Nice and deep and thick. And... The next piece, which I never considered is, but after having it, I can never go back, is a nice bechamel sauce, right? A nice white sauce that you can integrate the cheeses in so that when you're layering it and you add, um, you add the layer of the macaroni sheet, right? You put the bechamel sauce on, you put the meat sauce on, and then you're chunking out the fresh mozzarella on there. And then you sprinkle the Parmesan. Next layer, rinse and repeat, do that. Um, 
Some people recommend you poke holes in it so that it, it bakes evenly, but I found if you cover it in foil, bake it at 400 for like 30 minutes, it's perfect. You take the foil off for the last five minutes to crisp up the cheese. And I mean, you're there. You're absolutely there. And to review, you want long sheets, long flat sheets to cover the surface area of the tray, at least five layers, solid meat sauce with chunks, Bechamel sauce, uh, I recommend using Pecorino Romano as the cheese. And, um, you know, take your time layering it. You know, when I make it with my kids, it's a whole production. We have a great time. You know, one person gets one job and then we switch. And it's a very fun dish to make. It's delicious. And um, I hope you'll give it a shot. I hope you'll try it. Okay. So I have some more uh, questions. Uh, John wants to know, he, he knows this is gonna get me going, this topic. He wants to know about my favorite uh, Lego set. So when it comes to Lego sets, um, you know, I've gotten my son so many that I could say with great certainty that the new sets are, you know, not even, don't even compare to the old sets with the design, the structure, the mechanics, the functionality, the ability to, you know, I forget the word because I don't have a brain anymore. Uh, the ability to pull it apart without breaking it apart so that you could go inside the different levels, especially for the the, um, the blacksmith. The blacksmith was one of my favorite sets just because of the detail to everything. It's three levels. Um, it has great equipment. It has functional pieces in each level. And it's the kind of set, if I had it when I was a kid, I would just play with it all day. And... That one was really cool, but I mean, I've always been impartial to the castle stuff, to the knights. Um, and we got the, there's a three-in-one set, which is, it can be either a castle, a mage tower, or like a town. But the beauty of the internet is there's this group of people who take the sets and like double them. So what they did was they bought two sets and they made like a mega castle from it. Uh, we, we obviously didn't go that hard, but it was very tempting. Uh, my plan was, you know, we'd build the castle and then we'd build the mage tower behind it. But um, instead, for Christmas, he got a bunch of uh, Star Wars, Star Wars stuff. We, we've we recently dug into Star Wars and uh, he's loving it. I'm loving it. The We watched The Mandalorian. We watched the first three. We just watched uh, Han Solo last night. You know, woke nonsense aside, it was decent. I didn't want to throw up at the end. That's usually how I judge the validity of these movies. And, um, you know, it was it was pretty good. It was pretty good. But it's really exciting to see just how the influence of the things your children watch and interact with kind of come together. And how those schemas that they learn from one place they take to another. 
you know, we were walking in the snow and he was picking up uh, chunks of snow and pretending they were spaceships and throwing them and having them crash. So you could always see kind of what's running through their head. And uh, the Star Wars seemed to have a pretty, pretty big impact, especially for now. Um, but the sets we've had before, I mean, you know, nights aside, I love the pirates. There was the uh, Pirates of Barracuda Bay, which took uh, an old design of the first pirate ship, Captain Redbrick, I believe, or Brickbeard, whatever the hell. And uh, it made it seem like they were shipwrecked. So the ship comes apart in three pieces, and it's a little island escape. And then what you could do is take the pieces and put them together and make the ship. Uh, we, the hideaway lasted for about a day and then he just wanted the ship. So we put that together. That was like, you know, a million pieces. It took us two weeks. That was a lot of fun. That one was definitely one of my favorites just because of how long it took and how detailed it was. And, you know, who doesn't love a good pirate ship, right? We also have the, the haunted mansion, that one's pretty cool with the elevator in the middle. Uh, I really like the detail work from the artifacts. There's a full organ. There's a bar. There's a mural and like stained glass that if you press the button, it lights up. So those are really fun sets to do. Um, you know, he gets tired of them quicker than I do because I just marvel at the design and all the little features inside. Um, but we have quite the extensive collection and it's growing. Um, you know, when I buy Legos, it's, it's an investment. And uh, I keep all the instructions even though you really don't need to. I get rid of the boxes even though I probably shouldn't, but you know, I, I go crazy with hoarding stuff if, if I allowed myself to. So I, I have to be careful I have to be really careful because what I'll do is I'll hoard it and then I'll just get angry at it and throw it out. So I didn't want to do that. Um, but I do keep the instructions and, you know, with all these sets, we just have bins, bins and bins and bins and bins. And now it's Star Wars. We had to move all the other stuff. So it gets crazy. It gets crazy with the Legos. But I can honestly say I truly enjoy it. And uh, it's good, wholesome family entertainment. You know, my daughter gets the Friends sets. We build those. Those are great. Those are actually more detailed than most of the other ones. And that's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So, you know, I wish the joy of Legos upon everyone. I think it's a great way to spend your time. It's a great way to spend your money. They're great gifts for kids. And they don't get old. They truly don't. Um, and it's something to hold on to, you know. The original uh, NFT right there, huh? Right? No. It's Legos. They always have value. So, there's that. All right. Um, I had more questions. Oh, let me see. I'm going to see if it doesn't stop recording when I try to move the things over. Okay. I think we're doing pretty good so far. All right. Oh, oh, boy. Boy, am I glad I didn't forget about this one. Okay, so this is one of my favorite questions. John, thank you for asking. John wants to know what my 
go-to would be at a pub, my favorite pub meal. So, oh, so easy, lickety-split. Here we go. All right, first thing, we're opening up with a nice, dark, stout ale. All right, over here we have Smittix. I love it. It's it's rich. It's buttery. I love it. It's much more flavorful than Guinness. I'm sure I'm losing people by saying that. Don't give a fuck. Love Smittix. So we're opening with that. And when I'm talking pub, I'm talking, you know, dark mahogany everywhere, right? Mildly sticky floors, uh, dim, incandescent lighting, old lampshades, mildly dusty, but that's fine. Uh, menu's been the same forever. So I got a couple of places like this by me that they're just cozy. You go in there, it's pure comfort. So we're opening. We're opening with a Smittix, right? Nice dark stout ale. And then right off the bat, number one, first thing. Easy choice, favorite choice. One of my favorite things to eat in the world. We're getting a French onion soup, right? We're getting that nice crispy Gruyere cheese, right? Floating on top of that bread. We're getting a crock of that. And we're going to scrape the cheese off the side because it's delicious. Nice crispy cheese. You know, share with the kids. And then next, look, you know, sometimes depends. Depends how hungry I am. But today I brought my appetite. We're getting the wings. Extra crispy. They don't bread them. People who bread wings are a disgrace. Okay? Not this place. Not Tony's E Old Pub or whatever. Or the Blarney Stone. It has a name like that, right? Or uh, O'Connor's Inn. Something like that. So, we're getting the wings. Crispy. Blue cheese. Celery. That's what's happening. By this point, belly's nice and warm. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for my entree. What's my entree? Right? We're in a classic pub. What's my entree? Well, over here, in the greatest country in the world, we call it fish and chips. Right? Fish and chips. Nice, beer-battered, flaky, white meat. And some extra crispy french fries chips what we refer to them as real chips uh and i tell you that that to me is a complete meal yeah that's a complete meal the way the dark stout interacts with the different textures and flavors um and at that point, you know, you have the, the wing smell still on your mind when the when the fish and chips come. And, you know, I'll dip it in the tartar sauce, you know. If it's a good place, it's got good tartar sauce. I'll do a dip. And, you know, that to me is, is pub food. You know, I'm impartial. I, I'll get a burger sometimes. Good old pub burgers are pretty good. They have the big, big thick fries. Uh, nice, overly crispy bacon, as it should be. 
And, you know, they have the nice red onion and the pickle. I'm dreaming right now. You know, the occasional French dip. Sometimes it got good sandwiches like that. But my go-to is definitely the fish and chips. That's just what I think of when I see that. Um, always French onion soup. The occasional chowder, you know, New England chowder, the white kind, occasionally. Uh, for the most part, it's French onion. Maybe if I'm on vacation by the ocean. I'm always by the ocean, though, which is good. Gotta stay by the ocean. Now I'm dreaming of fish and chips, bro. Okay, well, uh, I probably have more questions that uh, I got to bring on my notes next time. But I'd like to thank you, John, for the very generous gifts of cappuccinos. Uh, for you folks who haven't asked questions, please feel free to ask questions. And, uh, and I'll go off. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the value I brought today, if I brought any value. And if not, you can go fuck yourself. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. And I will see you next week. Oh, this week only. Uh, I'm going to see Tim Dillon on Friday. Very excited about it. He's coming to town. Um, so all of the cappuccinos that were purchased for this week will be transmuted into happy hour beverages, happy hour appetizers, and a nice beer while I am at the show. So I'd like to say thank you for all the support and allowing me to do that. And um, maybe I'll post a picture of me uh, drinking at the show. We'll see. Probably, probably not. I like to uh, not be on my phone when I'm at those things, but we all know. We all know it's always there. You could take a quick picture, you know? All right. Well, okay. I think that's it. All right. Thank you.